The following is a introduction to not really Yevamos, but it's an introduction to the new Seder that we are beginning. There are, for the Mishnayos, there are six uh, Dharma, six general categories in which the different tractates, different Mesechtos are placed into. And Chagiga was the last of the tractates, last of the Mesechtos that are found within the Seder of Moed. The category discussing uh, everything to do with uh, time, the holidays, Shabbos, Yantiv, um, anything related to that, Chalamoed and Chagiga, which is about uh, primarily about going to the base of Migdash three times a year, going to the temple three times a year. And that was the last of the Mesechtos of the tractates in that Seder, in that category. And now we are entering into a new Seder, into the Seder of Nashim, into the category of Nashim. The category of Nashim, literally Nashim means women, but it's really not about women. But I would say that the the uh, focal point here, the main point of the Seder is about family structure. Family structure and also identity and responsibility. So we're just going to go as an introduction through the different tractates, the different mesephtos that are found within this category, the Seder of Nashim. And then in the next recording, we'll have an introduction to Yevamos itself, to just uh, going into uh, the mitzvah of Yibam, which is going to be our mesechta that we're going to be discussing for the next uh, little while. We're going to go through the, the mesechtas of Yevamos. And then starting next week, we'll go through the actual, begin the Mishnah and the actual Gemara. But this recording will just be an introduction to the to the overall Seder of Nashim, the overall category of Nashim, and we'll go through the different tractates that are, different mesaftos that are found within Nashim. So the first one, as we mentioned, which is what we're going to start off with, is Yevamos. Yevamos, in its broader sense, is not, uh, definitely a, the vast majority of it discusses the mitzvah of Yibam, which we'll mention what that mitzvah is in a minute, but the central theme is really about relationships and identity. A lot of it is about forbidden relationships, what are the forbidden relationships, the forbidden marriage? Uh, a lot of it to do with um, people that you're already related to, that you're not allowed to marry them. Um, but it's also about identity. And Yibam is really the key mitzvah in terms of this concept. Because Yibam is an idea that uh, if, you're, if a, person's, a person's married and then the man dies without any children, so then his wife is connected to his brother in a way that the brother has a mitzvah to either marry the wife or to perform some sort of process of chalitza, which we'll get into, which is a form of saying how they're not going uh, to get married. So it's not, not necessarily an obligation to, to marry the wife of the deceased. They could also do a process called chalitza, which is a form of a divorce, but it's not exactly... A divorce. It's, uh, we'll get into all these details as we go through the Masechta, as we go through the tractate. But Yibam is an idea to marry the, the wife of the deceased. Now, while they're alive, or if they were to have children, and then the husband would pass away, so then it is actually a prohibition. It's a, it's for, it's a forbidden relationship to marry your sister-in-law. And so this is, this is where Yibam really uh, becomes a key fo- uh, a focal point to this idea of forbidden relationships and permissible relationships. This seems to be a relationship where it's forbidden first, it's an isser, it's not allowed, 
And then in this scenario, in this one scenario where the husband passes away without children, they both they don't have any children, so then all of a sudden becomes permissible, not just permissible, but a mitzvah to for somebody to marry their sister-in-law. And so we'll go into all those details, but it really is uh, highlights this idea of what is permissible, what's not permissible, what's forbidden uh, in terms of who you can marry in different relationships. Why is it allowed? Why is it, what what is the idea behind yibam, which we'll also discuss in tomorrow's recording, uh, which is an introduction to Yibam itself, but part of it is, and we'll get into all of this into greater detail in the next recording, but it's to pass on the legacy to the future. This person, the husband passed away without any children, they don't have any children, and this is a way of attempting to allow this couple to uh, have to have children by marrying the brother. The brother takes it on to marry uh, this um, this woman whose husband passed away, so that they could continue on the previous relationship, which we'll, we'll get into tomorrow. Uh, but part of this is also to make it that the closest relatives are there to help. It's specifically the closest relatives. It's the brother that's there to help and to be there. And there's also another idea, which is uh, that they could only do this if they have the purest of intentions. If it's really there to help out that couple where they weren't able to have a child, they didn't have a child yet, and then he passed away. And it's to, it's really to help out that couple. You need to have the purest of intentions, which is why we do not uh, do yibum today. Today we say that you should do this other form. You should do chalitza and not yibum nowadays, because we say that intent here is more important than when it comes to other mitzvos. And we're concerned that people don't necessarily have the right intent in mind, and so therefore we do chalitza today. We do the 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 way out. Uh, instead of doing Yibam, we do Chalitza. But this is really about Gemilas Chesed. This is about an act of kindness to that couple to make sure that they have some sort of legacy, that they have children, um, a legacy through children. And it's, uh, it's a form of Gemilas Chesed of a very close relative. It's a form of Chesed, of kindness from a, from a close relative, which is interesting because uh, one of... When, if this goes all the way back to Avram. Avram in the Torah, he saves his nephew Lot. It's not a, it's not dealing with the brother, but he saves his nephew Lot when he's in a situation of, of war. And in fact, Avram was offered afterwards, after that war, he was offered a reward from Melech Sodom, from the king of Sodom, uh, for, for, saving, uh, for saving him. And he rejected the reward. He rejected the reward because he wanted to do it for the purest of intentions, to save his family member, someone who was very close to him, and he had the right intent in mind, which is also what's necessary uh, for Yibam, as we mentioned. And Chazal, our rabbis tell us that as a reward for what Avram did, uh, his descendants will now have the mitzvah of Yibam and Chalitza, that they'll be able to perform this, they'll have this mitzvah of Yibam uh, for the brother to marry his sister-in-law when they don't, when in that relationship... They didn't have any children. What's the connection between what Avram did and the mitzvah of Yibam? The connection is, is that our family steps up. They step up to help out, to be, to do an act of chesed, uh, to marry the sister-in-law when they never had any children, and that you need to have the purest of intentions, just like Avram had the purest of intentions. So too, when it comes to Yibam, you have to have the purest uh, of intentions. And so the original source for this idea comes from Avram saving Lot. So it's in a different context, but it's also in a context of chesed, of, of saving somebody so that 
they could continue with their life. So too, you marry the sister-in-law so that they could uh, have have uh, a family so that they could have children. And so the mitzvah of Yibam was a reward from Avram's actions. The Misafta also discusses relationships in general. It discusses, uh, we're going to go through this, it's not in the very beginning, but as we go through the Misafta, as we go through the tractate, it discusses marriage and how you have to have the honor and the respect in a marriage. And it also discusses uh, other relationships and also identity. Identity in terms of, it, it discusses gerus. It discusses conversions about relationships of people who are were not originally part of the Jewish people and they have entered into the Jewish people and their relationship and identity with the rest of the Jewish people. There are a few pages on that, a few dapim on that. We also have a big discussion on pruervu, on the mitzvah to procreate and to have children. It also discusses relationships not just in terms of marriage, but also with Hashem, the, the relationships that we have with God. Uh, there, this comes up multiple times, but it's going to come up at the beginning of the Mesechta within the concepts within the concept of Esay Docha Losasay. That when you have one, you have a positive mitzvah to tell you to do one thing, but at that very same time, it comes uh, against a negative commandment that you have some sort of contradiction here that the Torah is telling you to do one thing. But at the very same time, it's telling you not to do it. And we'll discuss those various scenarios. This is just in the broader sense. But it's a concept called Esay Docha Losasay. That we say that the positive mitzvah overrides the negative commandment. When God tells you not to do something, and when God tells you, Hashem tells you to do something, we say that the positive mitzvah overrides the negative commandment. And the reason for that, that's given, is that the positive mitzvah reflects uh, your love, your love and desire to fulfill the word of God. And so you go there and you perform the mitzvah. A negative commandment reflects your fear of God, that you're going to refrain, you're going to hold back from doing what, that which you want to do because God told you not to do it. And the uh, concept of us, I say that when you have a contradiction between mitzvahs, that one mitzvah is telling you to do something and then there's a negative commandment tell, telling you not to do it, we say that the positive mitzvah overrides the negative mitzvah because the love overrides the fear. When it comes to our relationship with Hashem, we would say that if it's all this happening at the same time, the, the positive mitzvah overrides the negative commandment because it represents love. Love overrides uh, the fear. And so in this Masechta, we will also have discussed those concepts of our relationship with Hashem. And then finally, we also have relationships with others, that with our community, uh, that uh, they discuss, uh, the Masechta discusses uh, the concept of lo go to do that a community should not uh, have division in terms of different customs, different minhagim, and that we should really follow, ideally, uh, we should all have the same customs, that in a, in a certain location we should all have the same customs. We'll discuss when we get there why today uh, we don't really see this as much, but it is discussed uh, in the Gemara, how we should have, in terms of our relationship with our community, that we should all, we shouldn't have division, we should all have uh, the same customs. Okay, that is a brief overview of Yevamos. But once we have Yevamos, which is the very first tractate, which discusses relationships, identity, uh, about who is forbidden and who is uh, who are you permissible to in terms of marriage, the next, it moves on to the next tractate, the next Masechta of Ksubis. Ksubis is about the Ksuba, 
is within the marriage you rate the ksuba. The ksuba is about responsibility, that you are responsible for your wife uh, and that relationships are based on, it's rooted in responsibility, the obligations that you have, a husband has to uh, his wife and it highlights really what that relationship is about. It's about responsibility, the obligation that uh, each spouse has to each other. In addition to that, it also that tractate also the Masefta discusses communal obligations, not just uh, obligations in the context of a marriage, but also communal obligations, such as the mitzvah of tzedakah, of charity, and its context within the community. And so ksubis really it, it begins the process of uh, Yevamos discusses forbidden relationships primarily. Ksubis, the next track, discusses when you begin to have a relationship, what does it have to be based on? It has to be based on responsibility and obligation. The next tractate is called, Masafta is called Nidarim. Nidarim is when a person takes a nether, they're taking on a vow. And it's about a vow, and that also highlights the similar idea about commitment and a binding commitment. And that people should take on, they should aspire to take on more commitments, certainly when it comes to your service to Hashem, to God. And that uh, the Masafta even says that just even taking on a practice, that you take on you do some. You do the same thing a, a few times, uh, so then it becomes as if you've taken a vow to continue doing it. So, for example, if you've studied daf hashavua for for a certain amount of time, so then a daf a page a week in in the Gemara and the Talmud, so then it's perhaps that's like it's a it's a vow and it's a commitment that you take on, and that you have to continue. You have to you have to continue doing it until you are what we call mati your neder that you annul. The vow, and there's a process of annulling that vow. There is a cost to, uh, there is the advantage to taking on more nadarm, to take on more vows in terms of your relationship with Hashem. It shows your your love towards God and how you want to do more. But there is a cost because you're adding on to the Torah, but and it's also it causes the because the Torah didn't say that you should do this, and you took this on upon yourself. But and it also causes division amongst people because you're taking on more than what other people are doing. The next two tractates are Nazir and Sota. Nazir and Sota is uh, Sota is when uh, a woman is accused of committing adultery and the process within that. And the Nazir is when somebody takes on a vow, but a very specific vow where they're going to refrain from uh, drinking wine and taking haircuts and uh, becoming impure through contact with uh, with a mace with a dead body. And Nazir is really a result of the Sota. A person sees the sota the, sees the person, the woman who was uh, accused of committing adultery and going through the process. And if she committed adultery, this nazir see, sees that process, and then they they realize that they have to take on more commitments. They have to be more careful in terms of their own lives, and it's about protecting the relationship. So the, the nazir they take on uh, a promise not to drink wine because the wine could lead to um, uh, to being uh, to being more relaxed, and that a person has to has to take their relationship seriously. So the Nazir sees the what happened to the Sota, to this woman who is who has committed adultery, and then they take on more in terms of their commitment to relationships. So again, it highlights this theme of our relationships really being rooted and based on responsibility and obligation. Finally, the last two tractates, the last two Masechtas, uh, the one after that is Gitin, which is about divorce, even before we get on to marriage. It's first divorce, 
And we first have divorce. The message of first having divorce is to tell us about how cautious we have to be about the, the relationship of a marriage, that it could fall apart, and that we have to be careful in terms of that relationship. Uh, and the Gemara tells us that in a, if a person in their first marriage they get divorced, that the Mizbeach cries, the altar cries, the altar the basic Mizbeach cries. Why specifically the altar crying? Because obviously certain marriages were never meant to be. Uh, but uh, it could happen that it, there's a divorce that happens because of a lack of a sacrifice, a sac- sacrifice towards that relationship, which is connected to the Mizbech. The altar is where the sacrifices took place. The sacrifice that we have when we bring a sacrifice to God, that we're showing our sacrifice to God. So that specifically the Mizbech, which cries, the altar cries, because divorces take place where there's a lack of a sacrifice, the lack of that responsibility and commitment to a marriage. Again, obviously... Certain marriages are there's definitely marriages that are not like that, and they were meant to be, but there are also marriages which end up in divorce because of a lack of a sacrifice towards the relationship, which connects to the Mizbeach. And it also discusses in that tractate uh, various, asp- various discussions on Tikkun Olam, of social harmony as well, which is also connected to uh, a commitment to the community. And finally, the last one, at the very end, we discuss Kiddushin, the actual marriage itself and it goes through the different kinyanim that have to take place within a marriage the different that could take place within a marriage the way to literally means to acquire a wife but it doesn't mean to acquire the rambam says explicitly maimonides he says explicitly that the idea that uses the word kinyan to acquire it's there because just like when it comes to an acquisition you take it seriously that you take an acquisition seriously a transaction seriously and the idea here is that when you have a marriage, it's not a transaction. That's not what it's referring to, but it means that you have it's it's performing something to show the seriousness of what is taking place and about the commitment that you have to take on when you get married and that it shouldn't be taken lightly. And that's what Kiddushin is about. It's about uh, the uh, how does one get married, essentially. The the uh, the steps that are taken uh, for to get married. Uh, it also discusses other relationships and other obligations in that tractate. It discusses the obligations of parents to their children, what obligations do parents have to their children, and it also discusses kibur ava'im, that the uh, responsibility of parent of children to their parents, that uh, the respect and honor that pa- children have to give to their parents. Obviously, in all these masaftas and all these tractates, they discuss a lot more, as hopefully we'll, we'll have the merit of going through together. Uh, but that is just one, that is just a basic overview of the entire category of Nashim, of family structure. And just to conclude, I got a lot of these ideas from a shir that I heard from Rav Daniel Feldman, and he, he, he was able to put this beautifully all together, and I'm just uh, delivering it uh, to you. So tomorrow we will give an introduction to Yevamos itself.